Okay, so I feel like last week I started the episode off with a pretty aggressive tone. I mean, I just clearly have a bone to pick with people who get married in their 20s and that's totally fine. That's, you know, that's on me. That's something I have to deal with. That's fine. Um, but this week there is no intro. I don't want to bore you guys with a story because this episode is just, oh God, I just had so much fun, uh, talking to this next guest and I just really want you guys to hear it because, um, I I know I say this every episode, but like every episode I feel like on this podcast just gets better and better. Um, and yeah, I'm just really excited for you guys to hear it. Um, this week's guest is Courtney Gilmore who oh what hasn't she done i i honestly don't know she's done literally every comedy festival in canada um including tapings for just for laughs and the debaters she has a solo show called congratulations stories of achievement embarrassment and self-worth um it got sold out shows at the toronto fringe festival uh which won best fringe and patrons pick and is now in the works for becoming a published book so look at that we're talking to future author and world superstar, world-renowned superstar, Courtney Gilmore. Yeah, she's she's honestly just one of my best friends in comedy. We're part of a very exclusive bachelor gossip group. So just so everybody is aware, we are we are close like that. Yeah, enjoy this episode. Thanks for having a listen. And yeah, peace. Yeah, dude, I, I've been having so many problems with my hair lately. I'm trying to do this thing where I'm trying to leave it natural. I'm being very brave. Um, your, your hair is naturally curly or like wavy? It's Yeah, it's like curly, but I, I like, um, it's like frizzy curly because I've just yeah, yeah. been like straightening it my entire life. Yes. And uh, killing it. So now it's just like this frizzy, yeah. it looks like it's trying to escape. No, it looks good that I understand the struggle because that's my hair. I have just straightened. My hair is very uh, curly and wavy naturally, but I have just straightened the shit out of it for years and years that I don't, you're, you are brave for, like, if I want if I want to go natural and have it look good, I need, like, a month of no straightening and no product and, like, doing, like, the curly girl routine and everything, and I just don't have the energy for that so I commend you for your commitment to nice looking waves and curls because uh it's it takes a lot people don't understand if you have like wavy hair but it's like frizzy or fine it's not just like you wake up and it looks like Beyonce it's not like that at all it's completely the opposite (laughs) no it's I look very scary in the mornings Um, (laughs) like alarming like I walk downstairs and my family's like you're getting crazier and crazier looking every day have you figured out something that works like works for you in terms of taming the frizz because I honestly don't think I've ever fa- I found things that like help a little bit but nothing like miracle working no no I think at that point it's like I just have to rely on genetics or something and the weather I feel like <laughs> yeah. right for good weather and like yeah. I do a really bad job at taking my mascara off at night Okay. So like when I wake up in the morning, I just have <laughs> on my face and my hair is just massive and like so fucked up. And I, I look like I'm a missing band member of Metallica. Or- yeah. <laughs> like Beetlejuice. I've done I, that too. Yeah. You always think that you're doing a good job of taking off your eye makeup until the next morning when there's like residual <laughs> dark circles. And you're like, I thought I got it all. Like... <laughs> god yeah. damn it 
<laughs> oh shit that's it's so true you're just like I feel like I'm a like an Anivia commercial or something I'm I like know. Okay, like splashing water on my face I have like this whole nighttime routine and then I wake up in the morning and it's just so fucked up I know I've been doing a bad thing where um I've been and there's no excuse for this whatsoever given that we're in a pandemic but I've been sleep like if I were to make up for a zoom show or something I've been going to bed with my makeup on which you're not supposed to do and like it's such a nightmare in the morning and I hate doing it and I hate that I do it but I just get so lazy by like 11 and then the next morning I'm just like why did I do that because now I have to spend my morning routine (laughs) people are like what's your skincare routine mine is like washing off all the makeup that I put on the day before and not doing anything else (laughs) um I am scared if I ever I don't think I'm ever gonna live with a man because I could never (laughs) Like, it would just be, like, night and day. Like, we'd first of all, we'd have to sleep in separate rooms. Uh, <laughs> in that condition should be illegal. Yeah. And uh, that makes me concerned. Yeah, and then I just wake up with, like, mascara marks all over my pillow from, you know. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. Tossing and turning the crust of the mascara, just, like, flaking off. Yeah. yeah. I don't even think it's <laughs> worth taking the makeup off because it looks the no. same. It looks the exact same. Yeah, and honestly, sometimes the next morning, depending on what you use, sometimes it looks good. Like sometimes a little bit of eyeliner looks a bit like, you know, a little little disheveled look, a little bit yeah. of like, you know, Brittany Murphy vibes going on. <laughs> oh God, yeah. And then you're just like, well, I think I'll just, you know, sometimes I do the gross thing where like I'll put saliva and I'll just like, oh my God, <laughs> I had... Like, yeah, no, it's really disgusting. Doesn't that just like push it around? Yeah, it just moves it into a different area. (laughs) It puts it back. It puts it back to where you put it. Just another coat. (laughs) Oh, shit, man. I, um, sometimes I don't even think I'm a woman. I'm like, am I even a girl in this world? Like, I should know this. Like, this should be, I just discovered primer on New Year's Eve. Like okay. I literally just discovered what it was. I had no idea. You know what? And primer, don't I don't feel bad because it took me years to discover primer myself. But for the first bit when I discovered it, I thought it was bullshit, but it's not. Primer actually does what it's supposed to do. It does. It does. I'm yeah. just like, this is the only product besides mascara that I can actually visibly see a difference. Yes. It yeah. really helps your makeup like not slide around and just like stay in place. So like I will I will advocate for primer. It's not bullshit for sure. <laughs> okay, great. <laughs> yeah. And my friends are like, because they know that I sometimes don't take my makeup off. And they're like, you have to take this off. They're like, this is a makeup <laughs> product. Yeah. You have to take this off. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, no, no, you still don't get it. Like you have to take this shit off. Yeah. You're going to break out. And uh, right. I never I'm just, yeah, absolutely. No, bad. just follow it up with a little bit of extra, extra stuff, extra skincare, I guess. I, that's what I do is just to overcompensate for all the damage that I've done. <laughs> just but, like bathe in coconut oil or something. I don't know. Yeah, especially because makeup is so, I mean, I don't know about you, but I, in the past like nine or so months of the pandemic, like I've saved so much money on makeup because I'm just not using it as much as I normally would. But when I do, it's like, it's so expensive that you want to get your like eight or nine hours worth of wear. So I'm just like wearing makeup and I will refuse to take it off forever. Or I'll, I'll like go grocery shopping with it on. Even if I have a mask on, yeah. I'll just like, 
I don't know. I, I don't like, um, it reminds me of like uh, going to comedy bar uh, for like an after hours show and I would put so much makeup on, but then I would just do a five minute set and then go home. And I'm like, what was all this for? Like, it's, I'm not getting my money's worth of having this on my face. Not enough people are seeing me with this expensive <laughs> That's <fancy> right. beauty. <laughs> That's exactly right. Did you, so yeah. you ended up getting the lip liner? that I that I I'm uh, wearing it I'm wearing it yes the the, it. the natural for the L'Oreal yes it's yeah. good I like it I like okay, it a awesome. lot yeah, yeah I discovered lip liner I just have like different women in my life that just like mm-hmm. I'll go shopping with and they'll force me to get things yeah uh, it was actually my mom who forced me to get that she's a Leo go figure she was like okay yeah, lip <laughs> like okay lip liner is an essential it's good yeah. yeah yeah um yeah there's some things but like I'll just do wear like makeup just around the house. Like I will put on makeup Mm -hmm. just to go, yeah, to the grocery store. Oh yeah, me too. Whatever it takes to make you give yourself a little boost, a little lift. A little lift. Oh God. Nobody's looked at me. I'm convinced like straight up people don't see each other anymore. Like I don't register as a human being to people, I think on the street anymore because like masked up. And then in the winter, you're just like wearing a, you know, jacket yeah that's true it is like the way we look at each other is different it's so weird to think about but people don't look at each other the same way because it's just it's so weird now you're all masked up nobody's really like trying to catch eyes in the same way as before so yeah and that's very important for me yeah what's that that's hard for you like people don't look at you that way no, no. Like a grocery stores were like usually the only place that I, cause like when I go to shows and stuff, I, I just yeah. walk like a total psychopath. Like I literally yeah. like have my headphones in. I look mad. I'm walking yeah. very fast. Yes. Um, so yeah, grocery stores were the only place that I could, you know, try to catch a, catch a man. <laughs> catch a guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Capture a man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like, I, I mean, yeah, it is what it is now. Now I'm just like, it's just, uh, I, I, the thing that I wrestle with though, is that I'm like the people that live in New Zealand and Australia are not traumatized from this global event. Like the, like North America and Europe, like we're just the only people that are walking around with trauma from this. That's, I mean, that's very true. Well, what's Australia, like New Zealand is at like zero ish, right? Like they're at like, cases. is Australia like that now? yeah they they have waves and stuff yeah so they don't have yeah that's very true however I have a lot of American uh friends and like people who I speak to and depending on the state they live in like and maybe this is a, a matter of America just being so much bigger than us and so like Canada you know like this is obviously like a crisis that's worth um taking seriously but like everything feels close to home in Canada. Like even if something is going on in BC or Alberta, it's like collectively we are all struggling. Whereas I feel like America, especially under the previous presidency, it was like watching them from afar, it was almost like they're just used to this as their life now. And they're just like walking around like it's not a big deal. Um, I mean, judging by their number spikes, like that actually is what's happening (laughs) is like, they're just kind of ignoring it. But like a lot of people are just kind of going back to business as usual, which is very confusing to me. I mean, obviously, like, not everybody and they have restrictions in place. But it's just like, 
I don't know. It's just like they've a lot of them seem to just be living with it as if this is this is our life now. COVID is here and whatever. And that's so fascinating to me because that's not my mentality about it whatsoever. <laughs> no, not at all. No. That's terrifying. So people are just going around like they're going to work and stuff with masks on. Yeah. Some places in America like wearing masks aren't even mandatory in stores and things like that. Yeah, 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 exactly. And so stuff like that also because like we're performers and stuff and like people who have other jobs that are more like like nine to five or whatever, if they're just allowed to go back to work with whatever social distancing protocols, that probably does feel a little bit more normal with just a few tweaks rather than me where I'm just like, what am I going to stare at today? Or like what kind <laughs> of, <laughs> you know, like yeah. to me, it's like my day has to consist of like compartmentalizing my space so that I don't go crazy. And it's just so weird to me that that's not everyone's experience. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. What, <laughs> I think you just hit the nail on the head. It's like, wow I haven't seen a friend in months like this is wild and uh and I guess yeah some places like you hear about it like in America or like the UK where like Mm -hmm. the restrictions were minimal and it's like wow this is um frightening I guess they're just waiting for the vaccine like they're just like oh yeah the solution is not here yet yeah totally I mean yeah I guess that's just we're just kind of waiting for the next step and stuff like that um but yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think just n- around now, like as long as this is going on, you, you have different realizations through different stages of the pandemic. And as you said, like not having seen certain people is like honestly just starting to hit me now, like that there are comics that I maybe wasn't like best friends with, but I had gotten used to seeing on a weekly basis and I haven't seen them the entire time. And that's so crazy. Um, And it's like just starting to hit me now. And so I'm like, (laughs) at like 3 a.m. I'll start like messaging people on Instagram. Be like, hey, how you doing? How's it going, buddy? (laughs) Haven't seen you in a while. Getting you up from Courtney Gilmore. Yeah, I'm not even drunk. I don't even want sex. I just (laughs) want like an emotionally intelligent conversation with (laughs) someone. I just want a human connection. Yeah, um, exactly. Human connection. Yeah. God, that's so funny. <laughs> but now I feel like it's kind of like prime time for dating for me. Like this is kind of like, this is a nightmare yeah. in every other way. I was talking talking to Catherine Eicher uh, last week and she was like, I think the world just doesn't want me to have a boyfriend because like <laughs> when, when this wasn't happening, we were just at shows all the time and now dating is like just illegal. And um, (laughs) it's like, this is impossible, but I do like the FaceTime dates. I don't know if you've been doing that. I I love it. I think it's great. Yeah. It's the point. Let me see where you live. Let me see what's Mm -hmm. going on in the background. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I I do enjoy, I mean, I, I watch you from your social media from afar and I love your dating content that you post where you have like just like screenshots of like interactions that you have and stuff. You are very to the point, it seems. And it's really funny because I can tell like a lot of it is such good material fodder too. Um, and uh, I similarly enjoy getting to know people kind of at a distance. And so, yeah, I've had some like Zoom hangouts and like, I do enjoy getting to know people that way. It kind of removes a sense of awkwardness. I think some people would assume it would make things more awkward, but I don't, not for me anyways. I think it's a good way to get to know people. Yeah, you can see what's going on in their backgrounds and how they live and like, you know, just. God, yeah. yeah. 
There was, yeah. a, there was one guy that I went on a date with, went on a date with, meaning we had a FaceTime date. Yeah. And this was like at the beginning of the pandemic. Okay. And he was FaceTiming me from like, I guess his couch or something. And like his whole living room was behind him. And it was just all empty with like one shelf that had protein powder on it. And I was no. like 29. Uh, I, this is just not acceptable. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Protein powder as a decorative uh, wall decal. That is not cool. Yeah. I like that. That Because that tells me that he wanted you to see that. Uh, yeah. The protein powder. Perfectly. No, I don't. <laughs> Are you still dating him? No, no. Okay. No, we just went on a few dates. Um, okay. And yeah, that's so funny that you said I'm to the point on dating. I think I'm just angry. I think I'm just um. <laughs> what are you angry, angry about? Dater. I'm very impatient. I have no time for this shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, as if I have anywhere else to be right now. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I can see that. I can see it. Like trying your patience. Are you trying to? Are you dating with like? a goal in mind of like trying to find a boyfriend or you just kind of getting like more like just getting to know people or is there any kind of end game for you or just whatever I think it's just like whatever it's like uh yeah like let's just see if this well now it's different whereas like before I feel like it was more I don't know I actually don't even know to be honest maybe that's my problem maybe I just like fully (laughs) don't know what it is that I want anymore I think that's okay. I don't think you need to know, you know, if you're just hanging out and like just talking to people, I don't think you necessarily need to have like an agenda. Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I've never been somebody that can date multiple people at the same time. So it's like, I really need to know if this is going to work out or not, because if it's not, then I just have to go somewhere else. Right. Right. Are you the type of person who usually knows right away if it's going to work or not, or do you need time? No, you're not. Okay. No, I need like lot a lot of time, and I really okay. Like, and I don't know what it is. I think it's because, uh, we. I don't know. I just I I just feel like I I need time because I just understand that first dates are just weird, and second mm-hmm. dates are weird. Like I just give myself time to actually get to know this person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know because I, I don't know personality means a lot to me. So it's like if yeah. that if that aligns and that's great and you can't find someone's real personality on like the first date you're just faking it you know yeah that's true that's true you do kind of takes a little bit of digging around what about you even like but even like um kind of like non-negotiables based on more I guess more superficial or aesthetic based things like for example for example the protein powder or whatever like something something that I can see I'm like oh I can just tell the way you present yourself that this is not going to work not because (laughs) of your personality but because your way you're presenting something is not clicking with me (laughs) I feel like and maybe that's to my own detriment that I rule people out so fast that way but sometimes I can I just it also comes from like years and I, I dated a lot in my 20s and I think I just ran the gamut of like every type of person that now I recognize them before they're <laughs> even in my presence. Um, yeah. But yeah. Oh, what that's an amazing superpower. Holy shit. That's so funny. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean though. Guys that like just show up to dates wearing like if you're in a sweater, like a full sweater, no. Mm-hmm um yeah there's definitely some things that are like okay just present yourself before this happened I used to love taking dates to the rom um oh okay I, I would like just the rom yeah yeah because I was like it, the lighting is great there's something else to talk about in case you say something weird yeah. and very outlandish yeah um, that's true that's a great idea yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, there's always a conversation piece uh, just by default yeah. uh, around you so that if anything is stagnant, you can just kind of like fall back on what you're looking at. That's a That's good right. idea. Yeah, um, uh, like Nor Hadidi also mentioned that. She was just like, I have a annual yeah. path to the ROM because she also goes Holy there. Holy shit, this is amazing. This is groundbreaking. These the whole top, community. Top tier date ideas. That's so amazing. Mm. Um, wow, I should keep that in mind, the ROM. What about the aquarium? Would that work? Um, I like the aquarium, but mm. it's like, I don't know. I, it's really funny, like watching people kind of like, do you ever read the signs on there? Like yeah. I just need to look at them. But if I go on yeah. a date with somebody that's like a reader, I'm like, okay, we're two <laughs> different people, you know? <laughs> oh, you don't, you don't read the, the full length uh, text. Okay. No, I'm just there to look. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Um, but here's something to look out for though, with the readers. So one thing, when you go to any kind of like, um, exhibit that has information based on like history and stuff like that, watch for if they read something, some kind of fact about like the sharks or, or whatever, um, the creatures, if it starts talking, like usually at the aquarium, they'll have facts that talk about like evolution or like, you know, millions and millions ago, this species used to be this. I have been with people who have been, who have read those and been like, oh yeah, millions and millions of years ago. Well, that's not a thing because the earth is only 6,000 years old. And, and that's my out. And that's when I know that this is okay. You can't, and I wouldn't have known that unless they read the thing because we weren't talking about the anything evolving, the sea life or anything evolution, but it was on the, it's on the fact things. So that's how you weed creationists out if you're looking to do that. I don't know if, you, <laughs> if that's, that's important to you at all. So but. amazing. That's a brilliant <laughs> tactic. I can't wait. So usually yeah. I rule them out before because um, mm. usually men like to talk a lot on dates about themselves. So they're just yeah. like offering up information that like you're not even asking for. Yeah. Um, it's like, okay, this is a red flag, but if you're really nice and like, you're not who I think you are based on this information, then we can work with it. But don't just like throw that you want to be a DJ out in the air <laughs> and then just like hope I'm going to catch it and bring it around, you know? Yeah. 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 <laughs> we don't even have to get to that point. I go out on dates with a lot of, uh, well, it's mostly guys in their twenties and they mm. all want to be like music producers. Oh like God. not actually like produce music like they just like make their own music and like tinker around with I don't even know I don't even yeah. know what that means okay uh so usually <laughs> when they say that like they'll they'll get to that point before we have to right read anything and you're like oh fuck another hour of this shit yeah <laughs> that's true that a lot of times guys will get their most jarring personal facts out in the open pretty quickly because they're usually proud of them and so yeah. <laughs> your red your red flags in your mind are like their best features to them and so they want to <laughs> brag about them and then you're like oh, okay no I have that stored up in my mind so now I know this is not going to go anywhere <laughs> oh god that's so funny oh. That reminds me of, can I tell you about a funny date that I went on? Um, I usually don't even talk about dates that I've been on, but this one really has stuck out in my mind for over a year. It's been oh since God. I went on this date. And I think I have permission, like me and this guy, uh, it didn't work out, but like, I think he's still on my Instagram. They're like, we're cool. Like nothing crazy or dramatic happened. But he actually specifically told me that I'm allowed to tell this story. And I never have. I think I told it on stage one time. But 
I just feel like you might be the person who appreciates how so how honored. weird I found it. Okay. Is, I'm so honored right now. I can't wait. <laughs> so I went out. So I was doing a show at Comedy Bar. And like, I don't know what your experience is in terms of meeting guys after shows at Comedy Bar. But like, for me, it's not that frequent. Like, it's usually guys, male comedians get a lot of girls. Um yeah like hitting them up and stuff and uh but this so I did this show and there was this guy there he was really cute he was sitting in the front row he was like a dream laugher like he was laughing at the appropriate decibel and at all the right places at everyone's jokes and he was just like a really good audience member and he was really hot too and after the show um I was hanging out um with another comedian and he came over and I could kind of tell he was like eyeing me a little bit but he was being kind of subtle and he bought both of us drinks and was like chatting us up and it was really nice and it turns out that he's like um a neuroscientist like he's a very smart guy who had never really even been to a comedy show before and he had just decided to go that one night and he's really cool and he added me to Instagram and he asked me out and so I, I decided to go out with him and I was like, this is like a, such a, like, this is such a rare occurrence that like a really smart scientist guy that <laughs> I would meet, I don't meet, you don't meet those people at comedy bar, not regularly. And uh, especially like really hot ones, right. Who are just like buying you drinks and like being charming and asking you out. So I go out with this guy and we, we meet at a coffee shop on the East end and I'm taking an Uber to the date and he's already there. And my Uber was a little bit late. So I texted him and I was like, um, I'm, I'm running about 20 minutes late. If you want, like you can order, um, you can order for yourself or whatever. He's like, oh, no problem. I found myself like a, a comfortable couch for us and I'll order a latte for you. And I was like, great. And I was really, I sometimes I get nervous for dates because I just like, I don't know, my anxiety goes through the roof. But this one I was not nervous for at all because I had already met him in person, which really helped. And we had already like chatted back and forth on Instagram and I got like a good vibe from him. So I was like, okay, I'm, I'm into this. So I get there and I'm like 25 minutes late for the date. Not, not uh, proud of myself for this. It's not a very good show is to be late for your first date. I understand this. That was on me. But it's important to note this for later, how late I was, because it's coming into the story. So I meet him and (laughs) so I go in and he's sitting on the couch and he's like really chill. Like he's one of those like attractive guys who just like everywhere they go and sit, they just look like James Bond, just like casually, like everything just looks casual, but sophisticated at the same time. And he's like dressed up all nice and everything. And he's wearing like nice outfit. But he's got on his head two, not one, but two ponytails. Now listen, this this guy doesn't this guy doesn't have enough hair for even one ponytail. And I I was immediately alarmed because one was like one was like right on top of his head and then the other one was at like the back of his head not two like pigtails like one on top one kind of like on bottom and he's sitting there with his two ponytails and (laughs) (laughs) drinking drinking his latte 
and I sat down and I'm like, I'm, he's like, oh, hey, I got you a latte and everything. And I'm like, why does he have two ponytails? Like, what is going on? Like, he has, I don't know how does, his hair is kind of like, um, the only person I can describe off the top of my head is like kind of like Keanu Reeves or like Chris D'Elia, like rest in peace, you know, like the longish hair, but like not long enough, you know, like you couldn't fit it into one successful ponytail, but he had two. And the second I sit down and look at him, I think he kind of saw me look at him a little weird. He immediately removes them. He removes both ponytails. And he goes, and he's like, he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Uh, you know, I didn't want you to see me like this. I just had, I just got back from the lab and I had my hair up to have out of my, my face. And I'm like, I'm 25 minutes late for this date. And you got here early. You're, you, and now you're frantically taking out the ponytails that I saw them. You you had time. You had time to take out the ponytails. This is on purpose. I feel like you wanted me to see your two ponytails. And I'm very confused about why. Because they don't look good. They look so weird. And <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't get it out of my mind because it was the most confusing style choice I've ever seen for such a conventionally attractive man. Like, he didn't need to do that. No one needs to do that. No one needs to have two ponytails in their head on a on a mane full of hair that only could fit one at best, like a little tiny one. And um, I, I've been perplexed by it ever since. And um, I don't know what was weirder, the fact that he had them or the fact that he like took them out so frantically and acted like I wasn't supposed, like acted like he was like, uh, you know, like, yeah, like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean for you. <laughs> Even though he was like chilling, like he was chilling, drinking his latte with his two ponytails. But then as soon as I, he, I, you know, I don't know, maybe he, maybe he was just trying something. It was like a, an ex social experiment. And then when he saw my reaction, he was like, oh, <laughs> abort, backfire. <laughs> So first of all, I have so many things to say about this. Okay, good. <laughs> I'm going to start with how late you were to this date. Yeah. 20 minutes late is, yeah. first of all, in yeah. my opinion, very acceptable. Is I it? never, girl, I am late for FaceTime dates. I'm, I'm late for every event in my life. There was one time that I was late for, and I was like an hour late, like literally an hour late. And I didn't even care to get there faster. I could have gotten in a cab to hurry up. I, I continued walking. Like I just committed. I didn't care to get there faster. Dude, I had su like, I have such bad, uh, like time management skills that I'm just like, okay, like, you know what? Like, I honestly thought that walking through the city of Toronto, I would get there faster on foot than in a cab. <laughs> that makes no sense. And I was like, no, no, no. Like I'll get, I was like an hour late. So that's fine. 25 minutes is fine. I was texting him the whole time too. I was like, I just, I, I wasn't going MIA. I was making sure that he knew like where I was. Right. But, um, yeah. Also how horrified must you have looked? in order for him to have like frantically just taken these ponytails off. Like you didn't give a fuck. Like you didn't hide it. You didn't care to like be nice. No. It was You're so like, confusing. It's so, it wasn't, it's not a look. Like I can't, I wish I could accurately describe the ponytails. Like they were so I tiny. Like I see it. I like, it yeah. was on, like, what kind of elastic band are we talking here? Like, okay, what so like, 
like pretty thin band, like not like a rubber band, but like one of those thin black, like ponytail hair okay. ties. Okay. But but the, the, they were little tufts of hair though, like little tufts of hair, because <laughs> that's all that was possible. And he was trying to do two at once. I honestly, you couldn't, you couldn't even do one. If he had done one, it would have to be one of those like French man at the bottom of your head, like Napier neck ones. Even yeah. that would have been still way too small. But yeah. the fact that he did too was so was such a weird choice. I know exactly what you're talking about. And like the hair yeah. elastic isn't even bunching. Like it's just yeah. spread out throughout yes. the hair. Yeah, that's exactly. the, I know exactly what you mean. And, 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 okay, and, okay. And then even the hair, but he still had hair kind of like coming down the side. If he still had the hair, if you, if it was, I don't believe for a second that he was like in the lab and he was trying to get his hair out of his face. Even if that were the case, the hair that he would have wanted to have out of his face was still down. Like it was still, it was still outside of the ponytail. So no, he, it wasn't like a, a functional thing because he still had like those long locks at the front, which right. those were the, those were, would be the hairs that would be in your way, if anything. This like was a choice. From the WWE, like just like still, he was going <laughs> over like a Y2K vibe, you know? <laughs> It was such a choice. And, and that was the most confusing part to me was like, I, I'm pretty sure that he wanted me to see them and that he wanted me. I don't know why. I <laughs> still to this day don't know why. Um, so is that the he, moment you were just like, did you end up going on a second date with him? No, but it, it wasn't exclusively that. It was it was like, I don't remember. I think we just were, had more of a friend vibe, but I was very perplexed about that. And then he did mention it in, on Instagram. Like the next day he said something about it. He like, I don't know, made some kind of throwaway reference. Like, oh, remember when I had the double, <laughs> I call him double, <laughs> double pony. <laughs> He's like, remember that? He's like, you can feel free to like use that in your comedy act if you want. Oh, like, fucking hell. Yeah, was like, was that the point too? Like you were trying to, this is what gets me though, is like, cause everything that I told you at the beginning about how this guy is like super smart, you know, he's a neuroscientist. He is really attractive. This is not a tough sell dating wise. Yeah. Like you don't have to, but I find that like, maybe this is just my dating track record, but I tend to go out with a lot of conventionally handsome guys who feel they need another thing that they don't need. Like I- like I've dated a lot of really good looking guys who shave their head for no reason and, the, and they have beautiful <laughs> hair. And I'm like, why are you doing this? Like, I feel like you're doing it to attack me personally. Uh, <laughs> and I don't appreciate it. <laughs> oh, dude, that's so funny. I know exactly <laughs> what you mean by that. It's like, yeah. stop, just stop. Like just, stop. You're fu- it's fine the way that it is. You don't have to do yeah. the extra mile. You don't have to do uh-huh. an extra thing. I'm, yeah. I'm so curious to know like what this guy was thinking now when he like started styling his hair like yeah. did you mention at the comedy bar that you just like love ponytails or something no like, I absolutely did not no there was no reference or mention that he could have latched onto that would have given him that not, not that I know of anyways that's so funny I don't yeah. <laughs> yeah men just they try to like go like take it to another level but it's always in the wrong direction the it's wrong like direction. why why yeah what was the reasoning behind this <laughs> I also love that like he knew that it was so bad on his end that he gave you the go ahead to like use this as material. Yeah. Oh yeah. He was, I mean, I'll give him that very self-aware, you know, very self-aware. I wouldn't have even thought to, to make it a bit. I mean, I haven't, I think I said it one, 
I don't know if you do this, but sometimes if things like just happen to me, I will say them on stage, but that will be like the only time I do it because it's fresh. And it's like, I know that this is not going to be a long-term bit, but I'm, I'm fired up enough in the moment to just like get it out on stage. And then that's where it stays. But yeah, that's where I did it at comedy bar. I think like that night and then never that's again. <laughs> so funny. And then how did it go at, how did it go at comedy bar? the the joke I mean pretty good because I'm pretty good at like I, I like ranting a lot and if I'm really genuinely passionate about I love being passionate about petty things that don't matter yeah. um like I would I, I ranted about this as if it was like a really important political topic and so <laughs> <laughs> and so people responded to me as if that's what I was babbling on about and so I think that uh that works for me sometimes to be able yeah. to rant like that <laughs> ponytails but with all the emotional yeah uh yes. you know flux of gender neutral washrooms <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> I love that uh yeah. I also feel I mean I haven't done it like for me I don't really uh like the one time that I was really pissed off on stage like I'm usually not like angry going to comedy shows Mm-hmm. But like the one time I was pissed off, I had like just gone through this like breakup mm-hmm. and I was just so mad. Like the guy, like we kind of like broke up on text and I was just so pissed off at the way it happened. And I just felt right. so petty that I actually got the audience to say like, fuck you. And then the guy's <laughs> name. That's how, that's where I, <laughs> oh, that's great. That's the, yeah, that's the level I get. I stoop very low with that that's kind of very, stuff. Yeah. But that's a very satisfying experience to get that like immediate validation that you need I mean it's harmless it's not like you you know yeah I I find that to be a healthy expression you're (laughs) I I was like laughing but also pissed off like my I was smiling but my eyebrows are down like the audience was for sure a bit scared they're like okay I couldn't talk about anything else I was trying to go in and out of material and I was just so mad that I was like you know what and another thing about this guy (laughs) blah blah blah. (laughs) that's just like going on what does you being mad look like because I when I when I think about your style of comedy you're not like an angry comic by any means but I feel like I've seen you talk about things that you're kind of mildly annoyed by in a way that's very even keeled and very calm and measured and I think that's the best way to be angry um I mean yelling is fun too like on stage like to be dramatic and stuff like that but you strike me as a very calm type of person I'm so I'm wondering does it like escalate from there on stage or do you kind of keep to your style and tone but just with a little bit more passion behind it okay I love this question how (laughs) do you get angry I can't wait to hear how you get angry (laughs) I have different it depends but then when I'm on stage yeah I guess if I have like enough time to digest it I'll just usually come at I like to come at things with like okay this is what I did this is what this person did and just be like honest about like if I'm the victim or if I'm actually the antagonist in this story right. or whatever right. and then just stay true to that okay. but I've never really yeah I don't really yell on stage it's a really interesting observation because like in my opinion I would be like okay maybe I am an angry comedian because I'm not I'm definitely not a positive comedian <laughs> well I think maybe by by not being an angry I think I'm just like I just mostly mean that um you don't present as like a a visibly angry comic like you're so you're very matter of fact in your delivery like very casual and um not sarcastic but like I can feel I I feel like you could be pissed off but still have the same tone of voice which uh and deliver things in the same like even even measured calm tone of voice which to me honestly 
when you're the most pissed off, the more calm you are in your delivery, the scarier. I think it's really, I think it's a really effective anger tool to just be like, to just present yourself like very calm, very measured. Because when you're yelling, you've already reached your peak, right? So people already know that you're getting all fired up. If you're just like talking like this, like I'm really mad at you and, and you're calm and stuff, you don't know you could crack at any minute and no one knows when. And so that's a very scary, (laughs) funny way of being angry to me. And uh... (laughs) Oh God, I love that. How do you, so you mentioned that you rant, like you like ranting or like if something happens to you, just get into like a little fiery bit about it. Is that effective? And then you're able to move on or do you like take it off stage afterwards? Um... Or is it like getting it out on stage is your way of letting it go forever? Um... That's a good question. I mean, if I'm going to do it on stage, it's probably something that I'm not, it's probably something that I'm not actually that angry about, like, or maybe I am, but like, I don't know. It's so, I feel like even when I'm angry, I'm still kind of joking a lot of the time. Like it takes a lot for me to get actually angry without making any jokes, even off, off stage, like with people. Um, but I definitely, when I'm on stage, uh, I definitely raise my voice and like fully yell for sure. Uh, <laughs> I'm really like emphatic and stuff. I think that's just like some of the people who I'm influenced by also do that. Um, but yeah, it's usually petty stuff that I'm angry about. That's the thing. It's hard to differentiate what I'm actually that's angry so, about. That's what, that translates to charming. Because if you were actually on stage <laughs> get, yelling at the crowd about how your dad like gambled away your no, toys no, yeah, when you were, like younger, you'd be like, Okay, like they'd be like, all right, she's actually mad. Yeah, no, I don't think any, yeah, yeah. I don't think anyone ever, I don't think it's ever come to that where it's anything I'm actually mad. It's always like I'm, I'm joking a little bit. Um, I love making jokes even when I'm, I don't know. I guess it just depends on the situation, but I wouldn't be yelling about my childhood trauma really on stage unless I were to come up with some really good jokes. I probably would just make jokes about it and not rant or anything. Like that sounds like a thing that belongs in therapy or something. Right. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. When you get mad, uh, not on stage, like IRL in real life, do you like, how do you, I guess, like take it out? Because for me, I cannot... Like if it's an argument about something that I actually care about, I start crying. Mm-hmm. Then that's okay. it, like I don't get like ang- like I will rarely start actually yelling mm-hmm. unless I feel like I've truly been done wrong. But I will okay. literally just start crying and then just okay. have to like leave and go for like a t- two hour walk or something. Yeah, yeah, I can relate to that. I've definitely been. Uh, I definitely cry when I feel overwhelmed or when I'm trying to articulate myself and the other person um actually I I heard Julia Latko would say something very similar she said that when people anticipate that she's going to cry or like ask her if she's about to cry that just makes her cry quicker and harder which is the exact same for me as soon as I know that someone knows I'm gonna cry I'm crying it's too late and so uh and and I don't know why but it feels very embarrassing for me to cry in front of other people and so I will do anything to avoid that but once it happens I have to leave the room um I don't know if I get mad if I get really mad like I guess I need a little bit of a timeout so that I don't, I don't want to say anything I don't mean. Um, But I'm pretty good at like vocalizing why I'm angry in the moment. Um, 
I try not to make a habit of like needing to be understood. Like I think I spent a lot of my life needing other people to understand me. And that was really important to me until I realized like you can't have everyone understand you at all times. Um, But if I do need to express an opinion that I think I'm being misunderstood about, I'm pretty good at like giving examples of how I'm feeling so that the other person can at least empathize. But yeah, I've definitely had a lot of walkout moments where I'm just like, hey, I need a minute. I uh, Otherwise, uh, something's going to happen if I stay in this room with you. So <laughs> something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. It's not going to be good. Yeah. <laughs> I've always wanted to like take somebody out like uh, mob wife style and just like gra- hook them by the neck and just take them outside. But I'm like, <laughs> I know that I'm like I'm like the person that's just like I'll talk no walk like I'll just be <laughs> over there talking so much shit and then if somebody actually wanted to fight me I would absolutely not be able to handle that for sure yeah there are certain rare circumstances where I feel like I would maybe yell on the spot if 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 I'm like in a situation where I feel someone else is being taken advantage of or someone is um like for like, sorry that this is such an extreme example, but if I were out in public and I saw any kind of like animal abuse, like someone abusing their dog or something, I would react very viscerally. And I feel like I wouldn't, I would be like blood red mad within two seconds and I wouldn't be able to help it. Yeah. So I'd like react very quickly. Um, but also it makes me mad when I see um, and people who've dated me have seen the side of me, but like whenever I see an example of someone uh like power tripping unnecessarily I go nuts like I'll give you an example like a few years ago um at just for laughs uh I was at a party with my uh then boyfriend and their security is kind of like really tight because they don't want just anyone coming into some of the parties so you have to have like your name tag and stuff and um so uh my boyfriend left the party uh, to like go get something and then they wouldn't let him come back in. And so he, t- and he was like waiting outside for like half an hour. Cause he was too kind. He was like too uh, polite to like argue with them. Like they were just like, no, you can't come back in. You're not part of the crowd or whatever. And he's like, Oh, okay. And then texted me. And I was like, where are you? I'm going to come get you. I'm going to talk to them. And I just like marched over them. And I went to the security. I was like, listen, I know what you're doing. You're power tripping. He's with me. There's no reason for you not to let him in. And I just, and I just like let people hear it. So if I ever see examples of like someone being ridiculous, needlessly, I can't, it bugs me too much. I have to say something. That Um, is... (laughs) First of all, um, amazing. And I honestly (laughs) wish that I was more of a confrontational person. Like the only time that I'm really confrontational is like, I guess, I don't know. I think you kind of summed it up. Whereas like, once I have all of the facts and I have Mm -hmm. everything that has happened and I know that I'm able to form like an actual argument against this person, Yes. then I'll just be like, okay, boom, 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 boom. This is all of the things that you've done. And this is how I've reacted. And it's been consistent. Yeah. Um, when I was in school, there was someone who was much older than me. Uh, like I'm talking maybe 25 years, probably yeah. more. Okay. And uh, we were like at a bar after our show. And this person came up to me in front of my friends that I was like talking to mm-hmm. and just like hung me out to dry about a performance that we had that night. And I was like, cause I went to Humber and we yeah. had like this like theater show thing. I'm not a fucking actor. I don't, yeah. I'm not trying to be an actor. You know what I mean? 
Yeah. And in one of the sketches that we were in, I started laughing, but I was not doing it in a way that was like attention. Like I wasn't, I genuinely was just could not hold it in. I just started laughing. Okay. <laughs> and uh, you know, whatever, but we're, everybody's learning. We're all students. We've all been doing this for maximum a year, probably mm-hmm. less, whatever. This person walks over to me and just starts laying into me thick. Like they had a decent amount to drink and we're just like letting it rip. And I was like, I'm just going to stay cool, calm and collected. I'm not going to let this person think that they're getting to me, blah, 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 blah. And then it kind of like stayed that way throughout the year. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I never, I never, I, I kind of hate myself that I never approached this person. I guess I was too young at the time. I was like 19 or 20. And I never confronted them and was like, hey, you're, I just want to let you know that this thing that you did, like you're a a terrible person. I hope that you're in a better place now. I'm not sure what Mm -hmm. that was. Yeah. Like that's just awful. And I Mm -hmm. I don't know. I hope that you, you know, go to therapy because of that. For sure. Yeah. No, I mean, I, yeah, there's always moments like that. I, I mean, I think it takes, it's not like, um, a thing that just happens over well I guess there are some people who seem to have always had that like self-advocacy um for a really long time and that's amazing for them but for me it was not like uh it was a learned behavior to be able to advocate for myself more and so um I definitely had I definitely had many encounters like that where the afterthought was like oh I wish I had said something more to that person in the moment um But honestly, I think it's a, the more time passes, the more shit you deal with, the, the less patience you have for it and the less tolerant. And I just do not, I don't know, man, like something happens when you turn 30. I, I don't like to buy into like cliches or like stereotype typical phases of age and stuff. But honestly, that's the one thing I'll, I'll say is true for me is when you, when I turned 30, it was like, I just did not give a fuck anymore about like about like, I don't know, look appearing a certain way or trying to appease certain people. People, I was just like, I've spent the better part of like 10, 15 years not saying anything and now I'm just tired of it. So now I'll just like go in on people. But as you said, like it's very much, uh, so it's, it depends on, I need to know that I have all the facts and all the information too. Like I need to know that, like I know the argument and I know that I'm right in being able to at least say something and then I'll open my mouth I won't just like go in blindly and react viscerally for no reason yeah yeah I hate that because then sometimes you're just like I know that this person is trying to hit below the belt and if I engage in you I'm validating what it is that you're saying so I'm just gonna pretend like I'm very unbothered by this yes and then in six months I'm gonna send you a very long (laughs) yeah Um, oh my god yeah yeah. Yeah, definitely. No, there's something to be said for like not wanting to have a battle of the ego. Like, you know, like I don't think there's any sense in trying to just talk circles around someone and trying to like, you know, assert your dominance or your stance on someone in an effort to try and convert them to your way of thinking. I just think that sometimes if it helps to be more clear and to articulate yourself better, then you should say something. Mm -hmm. But otherwise, no, like having those like heated debates on the spot that are going nowhere there's like no sense in that but you just reminded me of oh my gosh I feel so much cringe when I think about um the way I used to communicate with roommates in my early 20s when I was first (laughs) learning how to live with people oh my god so many notes so many passive aggressive notes were, were sent and I feel so embarrassed for myself that I sent so many notes like 
because I just didn't want to like start shit and I was too shy and too scared to say anything right. but well, looking back though like my <laughs> my my grievances with these people were completely valid I would like write a long note that was like um can you please like not have sex on the couch with your boyfriend like <laughs> you know <laughs> when I'm coming very home valid yes and at the time I was like it would be kind of like <laughs> passive aggressive yeah I was like I'm so sorry for being an inconvenience but can you not like have sex on the couch like out at 3 p.m <laughs> out in the open <laughs> but yeah you'll learn you'll learn over time what's what's the right the right issues to stand up for so cool. <laughs> you ever find yourself getting into uh or like if you're okay so like let's say that you somebody did something to offend you and mm-hmm. you know that anything that you say is not going to make a difference. Do you still engage and let them know? Or do you just absolutely not give a fuck? Mm -hmm. I guess it depends on how frequently you see this person, I guess. I don't know. Someone has said something to personally offend me. Yeah. Like as a direct attack. Yes. Mm. And you know that no matter what you say like you're they're not gonna see your your perspective because like this person that I went to school with Mm -hmm. I was like I know that there's nothing this is a lose-lose battle like if I engage with you it's just not gonna end well for me and uh if I just let it go it's still it's less a little bit less painful than having to deal with that yeah so it's like yeah yeah I think there are times where just letting it go is the best path because what you know why expend so much energy on something that you know is not going to really change anything either way um at some point I think you're just kind of holding yourself emotionally hostage um especially if that person is so okay with offending you so like if people are so comfortable hurting other people's feelings um that's on them and I feel like if you're dwelling on it in a way that's not resolving anything you're just kind of like giving them power yeah um and just holding yourself because then you're just thinking about it all the time and why would you want that you know why would you want to let someone get in your head that much I struggle with this a lot and Mm -hmm. correct me if I'm wrong because I kind of want to I'm starting to ask guests (laughs) this question because I'm like I don't know what it is about my personality but I've never, and I guess everybody maybe has this to a varying degree throughout their life. And mm-hmm. maybe it was just something, but I feel like I don't present myself as somebody who is like confident and therefore people feel like they can just walk all over me type of thing. Uh, but I have met characters specifically in the food and service industry. Like when I was working as like a host at the pickle barrel. Okay. Uh, usually like when you're new or whatever, some staff will pick on you, but like any like new job that you have or like any new, whenever you're like putting yourself into a new group of people, mm-hmm. I find that for whatever reason, if there's uh, I hate using this word as an adult, but it happens like bullies, I guess, who are just like mm-hmm. searching out weaknesses and people will find me and just like attack me. And I'm just like, why am I getting verbally assaulted by this person that I don't even know? Like, I don't know. It happens to me very often. Uh, does that ever happen to you and like do you have a way about navigating that that's really interesting and kind of I mean to me you you present as very confident and like maybe that I mean I don't know what these specific instances are but like sometimes I find that people who are very um insecure are drawn to people who seem confident because um 
it's threatening to them. Like your, your, your self-image, if it's too, if they think it's too high or they think that you're uh, very emotionally stable, it's like some, some people feel like they need to tear that down. Um, that, but I don't know. That's such a surprising thing to hear that people do that to you so often. Like, I don't know why, yeah. like, like, like they say things to directly to you. Like what, like what is their, uh yeah like oh god yeah I mean it doesn't happen so much in comedy but I think that's just because I've been around longer and then when I was younger you know like when you're new there's always people that just want to take the piss out of you or whatever yeah yeah Uh, everybody has that but like I'm talking about usually in like for example when I was at Humber or when I was at like whatever I'm always just like maybe I don't present to somebody who has self-esteem and that's why like you know they kind of like sniff out those like weaknesses in you and if they feel like you're not secure with your yourself they like just want to attack you for it or something I don't know right I don't know I'm trying to figure out what that is it's become less of an issue now but certainly when I was like doing when I had like multiple jobs and was jumping from like job to job or like whatever um yeah there's just like usually people like that in any group even like socially like even if I go into a group that I don't I've never met Mm-hmm. Uh, there's always like one person that like wants me to understand that they don't like me for whatever reason I'm not sure that's so crazy that's yeah. so that's awful like I'm sorry that that happens that's so that's so strange to me just because I mean you're such a lovely person but to me again like I, I don't want to assess these scenarios since I don't know them personally but to me it almost I almost wonder if it's like the other way around where it's like they sense that you do have self-esteem and that you do have I mean uh, to me also and I think I I noticed this both with you off stage and on stage is like you have a really um straightforward uh I find you very approachable but I I think that you you seem like you have your shit together all the time like you have like a very like (laughs) like a resolve about you that you just seem like like no nonsense and like you're very mature um I I'm sorry that like I'm sure you I know for sure you've gotten this a lot in comedy just because you you know we've all been so surprised by how young you started comedy and stuff because you were very like in your teens right oh god I feel like now I'm fishing for compliments did I seem like no not at all I'm just I'm just I'm just legitimately flabbergasted that that was that's your reality because because of the but that's why I'm wondering I'm like I think it's that like from what I know of you and other people I would think that people maybe are trying to attack you because you do seem confident and you do seem like you don't take any shit and people want to test the waters a little bit or they feel personally threatened by that like kind of steely resolve that you might have I mean I've definitely I don't know that I've had it to that degree where people feel comfortable like directly telling me that they don't like me but I know that I've given off vibes unintentionally of like um I don't know like my I think my personality has changed a little bit over time but I've definitely had more of like a um wallflower type of personality myself where I'm like oh okay I'm quiet and confident and I'm not like the giggly gleefully like gregarious try and get to know you and so some people interpret that as like me being a bitch or something like that and that's not the case at all but I think maybe it translates to people that way you know what's sorry continue continue yeah I think for with me this is a very unique to me issue but I think that some people um (laughs) if they don't like me maybe they're not as confrontational about it because I feel like 
me being an amputee makes them feel like shit for not liking me, which to be honest, not very progressive of you. If you want to not like me, you should be able to not like me. And it shouldn't have to have anything to do with like any kind of physical difference. But I do think that some people think that way. They're like, oh, I can't hate the girl with no hands. That makes me a bad person. But I think that if I did, if I, if I was completely able-bodied, I feel like maybe I would have the same experience. Maybe people would like be attacking me all the time. I don't know. It's more like vocal haters. Yeah. Um, yeah. They'd show themselves. Yeah. (laughs) I, I, you know, what's interesting is I also have the same approach socially. Whereas like, it's surprising to me whenever somebody says that I seem like a confident person, it's like, maybe when I'm talking, I don't know, but not like when I'm like into integrate myself into a new social setting, I make an effort to like, not be the person that's trying to get everybody's attention because I'm like, I know that that person is going to be targeted as an attention seeker. And I'm not Mm -hmm. trying to be that person. Right. Uh, Right. But I think at the end of the day, everybody is really just trying to like re everybody reacts to different personalities based on their own like childhood shit, you know, mm-hmm. and like, yeah. what was your defense mechanism? What was your survival tool when you were younger mm-hmm. and in elementary school and high school and these uh, like extreme yeah. uh, like social situations? Yeah. And then that just like carries on throughout their lives. And like, you either choose to like work on it or not, but yeah, it's like, even if somebody, um, or whatever like doesn't like you because they're just like oh look at look at her not talking to everyone she thinks she's so much better than everybody else it's like even if you were trying to be more uh I guess like talkative and try to be the center of attention thing people would still say something negative like yeah it's like they either just like you or don't yeah yeah Yeah. you really you can't yeah yeah and I think the people who are like the uh the offenders like the people who feel the need to and feel so comfortable just directly attacking they're also operating from their coping mechanisms too uh and their childhood you know whatever you you know the ways that they try to deflect or you know any kind of like misinterpretation of someone being more quiet um I feel like some people actually take that as an attack like if you're if your personality isn't the same as theirs and doesn't mirror the way they interact socially they take it as like a personal offense because they're like that's not the way I've learned to communicate so if you're not more outward like overt in your social skills or whatever um I don't like you because you're not you know you're not mirroring how what I do to to get to know people right yeah yeah 100 that's very interesting That's so true. I feel like, have you experienced that more in comedy than anywhere else in life or has it been the opposite? Um, Yeah, I I mean, people haven't been really catty directly to me, but I do feel like you get to observe everyone's inner child walking around and reacting within the comedy atmosphere because we're all so, like our workplace is not the same as other people's. It's like, we're getting to see people's vulnerabilities, their idiosyncrasies. Um, We're getting to see them reacting to, even just reacting to hecklers in real time is not, it's such a bizarre thing that we get to watch each other do. (laughs) Um, And it's so weird and it's normal to us, but you get to see people's impulses, like what makes them angry the fastest, how they deal with it, you know? And so- 
Yeah, I think that people have been really good to me in comedy, but it's also it's it is a, a chance to really see both online and, you know, on stage, everyone's inner trauma coming out and, and engaging with each other um, in social situations. So that has been really interesting. I think I've been fortunate in, in seeing, you know, a lot of goodness in people, but you know, it's there's such a, a wide variety of people that you get to see how everyone copes with all kinds of situations for sure. Yeah. yeah. And you see people have these, yeah, like exactly yeah. how they deal with anger, like what, yeah. 100%. Yeah, exactly. And it's not even like a, like it, it can also be so like it's contextual, right? Like it's, it can completely rely on the mood that you're in that day, you know, like um, we're all kind of, reacting to things based on where we currently are at in our lives as well and so and a lot of us are bringing you know breakups to the table or just like getting fired from day jobs like we're bringing a lot of emotional baggage to this comedy world and yeah it is it is a kind of a strange experience to be performing in front of other comedians but also like letting them see you be vulnerable and react to things that you weren't planning to react to and then you're thinking about that about like their their takeaway about you and uh yeah it's such a strange cycle (laughs) it is a strange cycle I always kind of juggle like the thing like everybody has that one or two comedians that have only seen you do poorly like I never had a good set in front of some comedians (laughs) and I'm like they're probably so fucking confused about how I got anything in my career (laughs) because they've only seen me eat shit like they're probably like what the fuck is so special about her this is wild (laughs) the good the consolation of that is that I think we all have at least one person that we can think of off the top of our heads who has who has only ever seen us eat shit and doesn't understand why we do what we do and I and it's so consistent and I'm and it's yeah it's so frustrating because you're just like well, this person is going to be there. So I know I'm going to take and they're going to see it again. And they're going to not understand why I'm doing this festival or whatever taping. Um, But yeah, I know. I I guess it just comes with the territory, but it definitely makes you feel like you need to uh, prove yourself a little bit. Do you ever struggle with um, imposter syndrome? Do you ever feel like you don't deserve the things that you've gotten or that like somebody else should get them or are you just like no like I've worked hard to be at this point I I I deserve it yeah um I think I used to I think in the beginning um when I started to get more stuff that was a little bit more like lucrative and substantial I definitely had that I think less so now just because I don't I don't want to dwell too much on how I'm perceived I think you can only to a certain extent that's only realistic to a degree like you know our jobs are to be funny and to present in a certain way and so I think that 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 comes with a little bit of like awareness of how other people see you but I, I think for a while it was getting to a point where it was overwhelming me how how much I was thinking about how I was being received and Uh, I think in like 2017, I had like a really good year and it just happened to be like a lot of projects were coinciding all at the same time. And so that was really big for me. And I think that was like my biggest imposter syndrome year because everything was just happening all at once. And to be honest, like there were a couple of things where I'm like, 
I'm going to accept this, but I'm not 100% sure I'm ready for it. Like, um, and those are calls you have to make. Like, I, I really respect people who turn down things that they 100% know they're not ready for. But like, sometimes you have to, sometimes like for your own, you know, career trajectory, you, you say yes to things and you're like, I'll figure it out later. And then you either do figure it out later or you bomb and you're like, oh yeah, I was right. I wasn't ready for that. I shouldn't have done that, but oh, well, it's already in the bag. Um, and it's all part of the learning experience, but yeah, like I've definitely had some things that I've gotten where I'm just like, oh, I don't know if I deserve this, or I don't know if maybe, maybe it's too early in my career to be getting this, but I don't know. I just kind of had to make peace with the fact that like, why, why am I going to do a disservice to myself by like, I'm never going to turn down something that I actually earnestly want just because a couple of open micers don't think I should have it. Like that's stupid. And so as long as I think that that's dumber than taking it and feeling a little bit of self-doubt, then I'm just going to take it and just figure it out. And However it works out, it's just going to add to my repertoire and it's going to be a learning experience either way. But yeah, I've definitely had those moments. I think in recent years, I've sort of found a way to just get over that and just try and stay in my own lane and focus on my own career. And part of that involves not judging other people for getting what they get, even if I don't think that they, you know, are my cup of tea trying not to be bitter about that because I think that's um that's also a big part of like an extension of imposter syndrome comes from observing your surroundings and judging other people for what they get and then being like oh well do I deserve this but also do they deserve that and then that's just like a vicious cycle where you're just like judging yourself and others I don't think that's a good place to be in right oh wow you said so many interesting things and like I think (laughs) I think I think understanding that and knowing that it's kind of like a two-way street where it's like you can't uh be judgmental of others getting things and also Mm -hmm. think that you get a free pass on everything yeah Yeah. Um, it's definitely uh burning the candle at both ends kind of Mm -hmm. approach yeah yeah Yeah. like I've never not thought that I should deserve something because somebody else told me or because I was just like worried about what somebody else thinks it's hard turning that off sometimes because you're just like okay I know that when I get there Mm -hmm. that all has to go to the back like I can't be thinking about that because it's like Mm -hmm. part of you just has to accept it's like okay I was here I was chosen to do this this is very exciting this is something that you know whatever you've been working towards Mm -hmm. and enjoy it but I find I'm definitely the kind of person that is I find it hard to enjoy things like I will Mm -hmm. I'm, I won't celebrate anything before I actually am at the venue about to get on stage. Right. And like the set went well, then I'll, like, I'm not, I don't get like over the top excited when I, I get an email about something and I'm okay. just like, okay, well, let's just see how this plays out. Let's see if it, it goes through. Let's see if it happens. Maybe I'll get into a car crash before it happens. And I'm just like getting excited <laughs> about nothing. Like, dude, it's, it's catastrophic thinking to like another level for me. So then, so then do you feel like you're suppressing the excitement or you genuinely don't feel the excitement? Like, is it in anticipation for in case something goes wrong? Is that That's what it is? Yeah. Okay. In case something goes wrong. Mm, okay. I was like, cause I was like, okay, we, this taping is coming up. I'm going to get COVID. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to get into an accident. I shouldn't leave the house for literally two weeks. Cause something will happen on my way to get milk. Cause that's how my life works. <laughs> like, it's always, I have this thing in my mind and I'm sure there's therapy about it is that everything is even. So I'm like, if something really good happens and something really bad is going to happen, 
and how there needs to be some sort of even out thing in my life. Right. Things can be too good. Yeah. Which is so interesting because I mean, when you got that taping, I mean, the rest, I mean, I know for a good chunk of the, the comedy scene, like to us, that was just like, oh, well, that's long overdue for you to get that taping. And so it's interesting to hear what your thoughts are during moments where everyone else is like, no, yeah, this makes sense. Meanwhile, you're like, no, I'm just another J in the alphabetical <laughs> order of the lineup. They couldn't find the Janet or whatever. But, yeah. but I do, I do get that though. But I think also like, um, there's no, we all tend to think that there's going to be some ideal time and linear, linear sequence that we're all offered specific things exactly when we're ready for them. And exactly, you know, we have this idea, uh, you know, a map in our head of milestones and goals. And you're like, okay, this next goal post is going to happen exactly when I feel a hundred percent comedically ready but realistically that's not how it happens sometimes it comes out of nowhere and you have to like scramble a set together and you have to make yourself ready and so um I think it's good to just let yourself I mean I I understand that like not wanting to get too excited until you actually get there but you know I think that like it's nice though to be excited like I, I wonder if there's anything that would you know over time help you feel a little bit more excited in the moment just just for, if only for the sake of you being able to enjoy like the emails and like the the process of everything like that because that's also part of it too but I, I understand you know w- w- waiting for the other shoe to drop kind of mentality it, I think it makes it makes sense like I understand where that comes from for sure yeah. and I, I'm like that with everything like it's not yeah. just funny it's like literally every other aspect of my life especially with relationships right I'm like okay this is going too good I'm going to discover he's a music producer or, or the, the world started 6,000 years ago or something. I don't know. The universe, the universe was born 6,000 years ago. I don't know what flatter one thing's going to come out of nowhere. Yeah. And it makes me not enjoy it the full amount. And it makes mm-hmm. me react differently to like good information. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. I just feel like I'm always operating from uh, an area of like, I, yeah. I just kind of like have my backup kind of thing. Yeah. Like anticipating the worst. Yeah. Yeah. I understand. I understand where that comes from. I think, um, yeah, if there's anything that like, I don't know what it, I think I, I, I've had experiences with that too, just kind of always being a little bit on guard because you never know what's going to happen. But I mean, one thing for me was slowly incrementally allowing myself to expect things to go too good and to kind of stay too good at least you know not on like a global level obviously things always are you know ebb and flow and come up and down but um yeah learning to allow yourself to enjoy those moments and like expect good things to happen it's a slow process but you know it can happen though I think it just takes a little it takes some time you know to come to unlearn all of those like self-defensive mechanisms we use to just constantly be looking around for some bullshit to happen because like it's not like it's unfounded like lots of bullshit has happened to us and so I don't think it's it's not like it doesn't make sense to constantly be wondering you know is this real is this gonna happen yeah but yeah I think it's called uh like I and I'm not sure if I'm right about this. It's like negative response bias, where it's like okay. a few things might have happened that we expected them that went wrong. Mm-hmm. And then we just use that to fuel other things yeah. that are just like never going to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, or yeah. 
I mean, let's not, not, not get carried away. Never going to happen. I mean, I could have maybe gotten hit by a car on my way yeah. to get milk in some yeah. alternate universe, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's like we use those few scenarios to just kind of like fuel yeah. all of our angst. Yeah. Yeah. And meanwhile, there's just as much like we also tend to really quickly forget all of the the ev- like the positive evidence that we have that things could go right in the exact opposite direction. You know, like there's a lot of reasons to think that good things will continue to happen within that scenario b- based on previous experiences where other things have gone well you know we yeah. just tend to gravitate towards the negative ones because those that feel the most impactful you know they really rocked us and so I think it, it's it, it at least makes sense that we think that way sometimes that's so funny yeah. <laughs> have you done are you in therapy have you gone to therapy um, um I'm currently in therapy my last therapist uh, I had to stop seeing because he hung up his phone died he had a flip phone first of all whole other what? separate issue oh no and then it died like 20 minutes before a session was over and I was like okay never gonna happen again so I'm just like in a new <laughs> add a new phone therapy. died yeah oh so you were having flip like f- flip phone sessions where he was just talking on the phone okay yeah. and I was like this is uh scary this is concerning for sure yeah this is a red flag for sure yeah. a therapist with a flip phone that's I can't imagine the the efficacy of that type of therapy um I've done I'm not in therapy right now um I've done it before I'm pro therapy uh as much as you can be for someone who isn't in therapy uh I um I definitely got I had a couple of therapists one I just like did not vibe with whatsoever and then um I had one that I did like for a while I I don't know I I, it's just not for me right now. I, I never like feel comfortable saying that though. Cause I'm always like, I don't want to make it sound like I'm anti-therapy. It's just not what I no, 100%. You imagine have, for myself. The reason why I'm asking is because you have such like detailed, uh, <laughs> like accurate explanations for like human behavior. And I'm just like, has she, is she a therapist herself? Cause this is great. As <laughs> I'm getting right now. This is I'm, wild. I'm um, big into like self-help stuff and like self-development. So I, I'm always like trying to do that kind of stuff, you know, self-development work on a daily basis. So I'm sure that like helps a little bit. I found this website or it was posted by by someone on Facebook a couple of weeks ago where it was like this directory of therapists where you can like look them up and it has, it's like a dating profile, but for local therapists. And so you can like find you can find a therapist that sort of like specializes in the kind of therapy you need and it shows their picture and like a little bit of like facts about them and I found this guy I just went on there just to like browse and and to be honest if I'm being honest I want to like kind of like judge them a little bit in my head and like (laughs) I was treating it like it was tinder I was like swiping through the therapist I'm like no you look like a loser also producer on the side Um, yeah okay yeah but then there there, I did find a guy and I won't name him I actually don't remember his name but he what his picture was him at absolute comedy with a microphone in his hand And he, and his profile was like, yeah, I do amateur, or no, he didn't call himself an amateur. He's like, I do comedy. I'm a comedian and a therapist. And I'm like, and I, and I, it was so funny. And then a lot of the stuff that he was saying that the kind of therapy, he's like, he's like, I only, 
I exclusively cater to like males and I try to help them find their alpha personalities. And I try, I help people find, I help guys become more in touch with their masculine side and stuff. And I'm like, okay, so you're an incel is what's happening here. (laughs) It's like an incel therapist. And I was blown away by that. I'm like, oh my God, this guy is a therapist and people, probably people we know are going to see him. That's horrifying. Um, that is so horrifying. <laughs> if, if you're a therapist and you even have the thought of touching a microphone to do comedy, suspend your life. Somebody needs to take away your license. You're not allowed to be a therapist. I know. So unhinged. I know. Um, also, sorry no no I was gonna say imagine how many like clients you probably got just from doing comedy and like networking like it just like fed itself type of thing I would not feel comfortable first of all I also just didn't like that it was his profile picture was him with a microphone in front of (laughs) absolute comedy that just was like off-putting to me but I wouldn't feel comfortable seeing a therapist who was an amateur comedian because I feel like they especially a guy who is like a self-proclaimed like alpha masculine helping people get in touch with their masculinity to me that reads as someone who is going to subtly and casually bring up my career and compare it to their own and like be weird about it like be, like I feel like if I were like oh can we cut our sessions short today by like five minutes because I have a, a show he'd get like passive aggressive about it <laughs> And like try and get a spot or something like that. And (laughs) I don't like that. And uh, yeah, we're about to wrap it up. Um, But the password on the e-transfer is the name of whoever runs the show that you're on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I don't like that. I don't want to feel like I'm I'm on the same level as a therapist. Or I don't want to feel like I'm doing better than them in comedy. Uh, I don't know. Like, so you're going to just for laughs this year. Is there a guest pass that you haven't given out yet? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <Okay>. that's just <laughs> too much room for things to get awkward. Oh, okay. That's great. <laughs> um, well, I guess we're out of time. We've been chatting for like about an hour and a half. Yeah, um, it's been fun. I know, like, thank you so much for doing this. You're somebody who I am just so inspired by at all times, and talking to you is just such a pleasure. Um, oh, thank and you. doing this was just such a boost to my mental health and my mood. Ah, so, same, me too. Yeah, this has been so nice. Yeah, thank you so much for uh, coming on. Is there anything you'd like to plug at the end of the show? Oh, uh, yeah, and actually. Show. What the fuck did I just say? The show. <laughs> this is the show the, now. <laughs> the show? Um, anything you would like to plug? Yeah, actually, um, I will plug my uh, my current project is uh, I have a podcast with my ex-boyfriend called Rated X Podcast. And uh, we uh, are on um, we're on like Spotify, Apple and uh, Instagram at Rated X Pod. And it's just me and my my ex-boyfriend rate and review um, fictional relationships. And it's a fun time. And we didn't just break up. So there's no tension. It's been a few years. We're friends now. So it's not. passive aggressive Uh, (laughs) Uh, but yeah it's a fun it's a fun podcast so if people want to check that out um they're more than welcome to wicked Um, all right courtney well i guess we'll uh i don't know sign off yeah thank you so much for having me this has been fun thank you for doing it thank you for doing it